You're listening to Conversations of Inspiration with Ben Moore and Scott Gunn on the EXP podcast. The show that brings you expert insights from those who have had an exponential impact on their industries. They say that success leaves footprints. So take a walk with us as we explore all things growth, business and mindset every Monday from 7am. Sit back, relax and enjoy today's show. Three, two, one, boom, we're in, we're on. <laughs> How's it going, Ben? Yeah, really well, mate, really well. How are you? Yeah, yeah, great, mate. Just, uh, was it's Tuesday, it's one of those, after the bank holiday weekend, when you're just convinced it's Monday all day, so I'm completely, that's messed me up now, I'll recover next week, but. Oh, mate, totally, I take bank holidays, I mean, it's so nice not having to get up and do a school run and just have a nice relaxed pace of a day, so this morning's been a million miles an hour, mate, trying to sort of yeah. catch up and, and break the habit. Um probably quite a well-timed chat for you today Scott you've just come out of a session I believe this morning you've been doing some training on lead generation so yeah quite- direct specifically direct mail training um which we just spent an hour sort of uh, a little bit of uh, my thoughts on the subject and then a bit of a brainstorm which is always which is always great to get you know probably 30 or 40 people in a room all with different ideas all experiencing different things and uh, brainstorm ideas I mean it's funny isn't it when you sort of think that you've nailed something and then someone just does it slightly differently to you and can improve your whole process so quick um, so yeah it's a great session it, it, mate that, that's so that, that that's massive because on that I remember you know we do those sessions where how to do the perfect valuation and obviously we've all been valuing properties for by this point 10 years in your case 20 years and you kind of think there's nothing that anyone can tell me that I don't already know and I remember tuning into uh, Samantha Cerrone's session on how to do yeah. the perfect valuation I was like oh my god I've been doing it so wrong all these years um so you're right mate it's uh, it's always good to compare notes I guess and see what's working for other people um mate how did you find a bit off topic but obviously me and you are utilizing the world a lot now so you're doing sessions on lead generation through direct mail I'm doing a similar sort of thing with social media completely transformed my view of the technology that we use in terms of the world how are you finding it do you do you enjoy using it like did you think it was a bit weird at first and now you like it or are you still a bit unsure and yet to be sold I think Ben as you've got to know me over the last sort of 18 months I think you know I approach absolutely everything skeptically and critically (laughs) and unenthusiastically typical Brit (laughs) <laughs> if, if, if something then takes my fancy I'm like well into it and uh, I mean the world I guess for anyone who's hearing that expression they don't know they may have seen online is like how almost looks a little bit like Grand Theft Auto doesn't it it's this environment where you can drop onto like a university campus with an avatar of yourself you can run around the world into various different rooms like a training room or a meeting room or auditorium and we use it to get together for our, our weekly meetings. We use it to get together for training and just generally do a lot of collaboration. Um, and yeah, I think the weird thing was, yeah, of course, I approached it thinking I'm not going to get into this at all. And then, you know, after about a month, it's, I mean, I've, I think I've, I might have mentioned this to you before, but it becomes so intuitive that this little avatar is actually me running around this world. That 12 months ago, in the middle of like our harshest lockdown, I socially distanced from Barry Pulver when he got a bit close. <laughs> Do you, do you know what you're, though, you're, yeah, you're, so you're, you're dead right man because it's i was saying this to adam the other month that although it's like this virtual world that we exist in it's kind of like uh, social norms still apply so when you get on the stage 
in the auditorium and you're presenting, you're as nervous as you would be presenting to a physical yeah, auditorium. 100%. And if you, sat, if, you, if you sat around the table and someone jumps up, it's like, oh, wh wh why is it hanging around? This is a bit awkward. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just crazy how social norms still apply. Well, um, it is. And, and, and also, because it, again, it's so smart, the technology that when you go in like um like when you're in our meeting room like in a normal conversation like you and i are doing now it's okay to interrupt somebody it's okay to pull, oh, hang on a minute whoa, whoa whoa before you go on can i ask you something like all the way we normally it's fine but like all of a sudden in the auditorium bearing in mind your your environment hasn't changed you're still sat at home in your lounge or your cabin or your home office whatever but all of a sudden like you wouldn't dream of interrupting somebody in the in the auditorium would you you just wouldn't dream of it exactly exactly because it's just so like real life but I'm, I'm like you mate like I've seen that and when I first I always say I joined in spite of the world because I was kind of <laughs> thinking wow this yeah. is a bit bit of a novelty it looks like a game not sure I can get behind this but when I first uh, in that first lockdown when I did my first session on social media and I was presenting to an auditorium full of agents from you know the UK obviously but also the US there's a few guys in there from India I think there was a guy in there from Portugal and you kind of just see that kind of worldwide collaboration and from that point I was like wow I can get behind this and then obviously when we sold started selling it kind of externally outside of the XP and the share price just went i thought wow i yeah. can definitely get behind this now <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah agreed yeah agreed um but mate so in today's uh, episode so for anyone listening hello welcome thanks as ever for being the third person at the table and um, in today's show we're going to talk about um building a £30,000 pipeline. And before we kind of do a bit of a deep dive into this topic, just to kind of lay a bit of context really as to why we've chose £30,000 as the benchmark, um, a couple of reasons really. So first off, I think it's fair to say, Scott, that whilst um, context is always key and salaries and whatnot changes with geography, I think uh, as a mass market in our industry, we can kind of agree that £30,000 is probably a, a sensible milestone for a reasonable package that someone will earn in this space, kind of basic yeah. salary plus commission included. So in that respect, I think 30 grand's got relevance almost as a break-even benchmark in people's minds. But outside of that, a lot of people um, approach EXP and rightly so, you know, they're taking this, this, this gamble on themselves to build a business. So they want to put their earnings through the roof and far exceed anything they've earned in the past. And generally speaking, people want to be a six figure agent. They want to hit hundred K in a year. And for yeah. me, a hundred K a year stems from a 30 grand pipeline. Cause if you can maintain that 30,000 pound pipeline and turn on that maybe every quarter or even three, three and a half times a year, you know, you're a six-figure agent plus, essentially. So I think for both of those reasons, 30K bears some kind of relevance. And also, I kind of feel as though when you say to someone, you're going to go and earn 100 grand, if they've only ever earned 20, 25, 30, it feels like almost an unrealistic jump. But I think kind of yeah. breaking down that macro goal into micro steps, i.e., do you back yourself to turn a 30K pipeline? I think most agents, whatever the geography and whatever the market and whatever the fee structure, knows that they can get up to a 30,000 pipe thousand pound pipeline and i think that may makes that bigger goal all that more achievable um but for me I, I, that, that, that's kind of the reason why we've headlined 30k but i guess really it's a case of insert figure here whatever that success metric looks like to you i think it's just a sort of a short to mid-term milestone that people can aim for yes my, my first target was to get my pipeline up to 30 grand um so for exactly that reason for me it <clears throat> That grand for two reasons. One, I, I did what you did, which has worked out that that was sort of three or four sales a month for me for the first three months. I've been beyond 30 grand after sort of 12, 14 weeks. 
Um, and then exactly as you say, if I can, all, the, all I've then got to do is match my exchanges and fall throughs with new sales and keep the pipeline at 30 grand. And if you could turn that three and a half times a year, then you've earned yourself hundred thousand pounds. Um, but yeah, exactly the same. Additionally, for me, I started my business with the amount of money that I looked at 30 grand as well. I've now at least recouped back way more than my initial investment. You know, I started on about 20 grand in the bank. I know you did it a bit differently, but I thought, well, now I've got a 30 grand pipeline. I've essentially got my investment back, um, which is for me when I then could breathe a sigh of relief, right? Because now your worst case scenario is zero. You know, you walk away with your money back, which, uh, which is a great feeling. And it took about, I don't know how long it took. We, we had lockdowns, didn't we, for our first uh, sort of 12 months. So I think I was probably two months slower getting to there, but I think maybe four, four and a half months in, my pipeline was around about 30 grand. Right. See, that's, yeah, and that's, that's, that's an interesting thing, mate, because for me, it took me a lot longer to hit that benchmark. Obviously, I've made no bones around the fact that in my journey, I was quite slow out the traps. I didn't start setting the world on fire immediately. It took a while to kind of build that up. And as we discussed last week, Scott, when we was talking about planning a business, you had the foresight that I didn't in terms of actually working out your numbers, which is probably in hindsight a sensible way to, to approach it. So for a few different reasons, it took me longer to hit that milestone. And I also went on a bit of a learning curve of going around the houses slightly in terms of doing the wrong things at the wrong time relative to where I was up to in my business. So I think that that also played its role in kind of delaying me getting to that milestone so yeah. what was kind of looking back how did you do it well i mean I, I hit direct mail very very hard when i first started so for me it's always been a numbers game so working back to okay if i want a 30 grand pipeline how many houses do i need to sell to get to that and for me it was 10 average fee of around about three thousand i was aiming for so i wanted 10 sales how do I get 10 sales? Well, if I list six a month and I sell three a month in three months time, I will have a pipeline of 30 grand. Um, so that's how I did it. And like you said, I think if you, the problem is if you make your goal to get a 30 grand pipeline and you've got no roadmap drawn, the chances of you hitting that are very slim. Whereas if you bring it back to, well, okay, to get to a 30 grand pipeline in three months time, what I have to do is list six a month the next three months that gives you a really good idea of what you're aiming for, right? So, okay, you want to list six, you want to be doing eight or nine valuations per month, which is three a week. So now all you need to do is aim for three valuations a week. So that's how I did it. I kind of feel like I know you're going to be different to that. <laughs> that's how I did it. No, mate, to be honest, it weirdly the same, but I just made hard work of getting to that conclusion. Um, right. So it, it's kind of like we touched on a couple of episodes back. Obviously, I'm quite bullish on social media and I'm a big fan of video and for me that was always going to be the answer to all my problems that was going to be the, the point of difference and the reason why people use us which it's transpired over time has worked out to be exactly the case but you don't have that luxury I think what a lot of people do and this is no jab or jibe by the way at anyone who's come into the business in the past but I think probably a little bit of putting ourselves on a pedestal slightly thinking that we've been a great value where we've had success in the past with other ventures and other businesses you know you see people doing these crazy countdowns to the launch of their business and I think there's almost this expectation that you're going to announce yourself on the on the stage and suddenly you know your neighbors are going to be banging your door down wanting to do a business with you and sign up and put the house on the market and um you know it's very rarely the case that it works out like that and I wouldn't say that I was naive enough to think that that was going to be the case but I was naive enough to think that I could rely on the digital pound to build that business for me from day one coming out the traps and 
you know, quite frankly, I think on day one, regardless of how shiny your video is or how, you know, confident you are when you deliver it, quite frankly, no one really cares until you've earned their respect and you've earned their attention over a period of time. So that's kind of where I went wrong, I guess you could say, in some respects, because I was doing the right things in theory. I wasn't procrastinating. I wasn't sitting on my hands and just bumming around all day doing nothing. I was just investing my efforts into the wrong strategy. Whereas I think probably what you did with direct mail, it's more of a direct to the pain point. You're speaking to the person who's ready for the, the business today, someone who's who's got that pain point, again, that we can fix immediately. And I think making use of that avatar and that position that they're into in their life cycle is is a much better decision to get your results faster and to be frankly scott get you a, a good roi on your investment fairly early yeah. on um so with that in mind ben so so you've learned the hard way i did it slightly differently but we both reached the same destination just through different routes um what, what you and i didn't have 12 months ago at exp is other agents to phone up and say right, I want a 30 grand pipeline in 14 weeks. How do I do it? Whereas now, I mean, how, how I can literally reel off a list of about 40 people I could phone and ask that question and probably get very, very similar answers, right? That's one of the benefits now where we're at as an organisation. This is where we were at when we started. Um, I feel like me and you would probably be giving people the same advice now if they asked you or I. We, we, yeah, I think you're probably right there, mate. And I think... Um when you do give that advice because again i always think the word blueprint prints a bit strong because it's kind of like you know it kind of nothing's guaranteed right everyone's in a different on a different journey and a different trajectory and everyone's going to naturally move at a different pace but i think you're dead right mate with what we've got now in terms of we've got different agents cross markets different territories across the country we've got amazing markets where values are high and fees are solid we've got the other side where you've got a really fat tooth and nail for every last bit of business that you get in every house that you sell but i think one thing that we've definitely seen is success leaving clues in different territories now in terms of what templates are working what strategies are working what letters getting what kind of um, conversion rate to call and i think yeah. to be honest scott i know you get a lot of credit internally um for kind of pioneering this but to the outside world so for anyone listening who's who's not part of the exp network of course all of our partner agents get full access to those strategies and those templates we can literally give you the letters word for word and um i know you scott we won't go into intricate details but we've got what we brand you know the magic letter and i think yeah. it's fair to say that whilst you was the one who kind of created that letter there's been I wouldn't even I wouldn't be able to hazard a guess at how much income has come into the business overall from agents literally copying and pasting your strategy, seeing success leaving clues in Margate, and then suddenly applying that to Scotland, Scarborough, Blackpool, Timbuktu, <laughs> and kind of realizing yeah. actually that this letter's working wherever we try it. Um, Which is because you and I, as I mentioned earlier, like I've had a message today from like an agent in. I think it's Illinois. Chicago, Illinois. Someone from Illinois wanting like the letters to give them a go over there. Like, I mean, I don't know what the legalities are in different states, but the idea of somebody using our letters because they've been so successful in Britain and li literally proven in every single corner of the country, right? Like, I remember introducing it, and then people would message me saying, "Like, hey, Scott, I've got three hundred and fifty of your letters going out tomorrow." I'm thinking, oh God, like I'd spent 175 quid on stamps. Like I felt under, I did feel under a, a pressure because I'm thinking, I really, really hope this works. Like, especially because I kind of knew it couldn't just be working for me and not work for others, but there's always that feeling, isn't there? So 
Um, when I start getting messages from people saying, oh, I've had five calls today, I've had 10 calls today, I've had, I love it, it's great, it's like so exciting. And it's, um, I, I guess, see what, what you can use that for is, I would guarantee you a certain amount of calls from those letters based on probability. You know, you, I could certainly send a low benchmark of, okay, the lowest amount of calls you t- should expect from X amount of letters would be such and such. And you can grow your business around that. I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of social media now and, 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 and really that's sort of following your footsteps there, mate. But direct mail for me is where you can have a, an almost guaranteed level of early interest in your business because you're not yeah. waiting for anything. And it's so predictable as well. It doesn't matter if you went for... If you went for a low rate of, right, I'm going to get five calls for every 100 letters I sent, which is a low rate. I mean, I'd expect 10 to 15, even if you said five. So now you're guaranteeing five calls from people on the market for every 50 quid you spend. So my first thing is, right, well, I want 20 then. So I'm going to spend 200 pounds, you know, wherever the maths are. Hopefully I've just got that right. I'll listen back later. <laughs> but if you can get to the point where you can start saying, right, X amount of pounds generates me X amount of calls, you can then get to the point when you can start to work out how many calls before you convert valuation. And it's almost like buying valuations, right, relatively cheaply. Um, so that's for me why it's so powerful, especially in the early days. Like I can guarantee you calls in your second week in business from people who are on market. Yeah, mate. And that, that power of predictability is massive because I think a lot yeah. of the time we kind of feel like we're just, you know, we're hitting and hoping. We start shooting fish in a barrel. You're just going Brr, and fingers crossed, you know, we're going to get a listing. Fingers crossed. My mate's cousin's dog's babysitter's going to gonna, gonna want to sell a house and I'm going to get it. And every now and then yeah. you get those little touches and those easy wins. But I think it's so much value in what you said there because I think what it does is that predictability gives direction. And when you've, yeah. got, when you've got direction, you've got actionable steps that you can take to hit that milestone in that direction. And that's kind of when we start almost reverse engineering the business, starting with the end goal and thinking, OK, like you said last week, you know, if I want to bank 10 grand a month, that looks like selling X amount of properties at Y fee. Therefore, I need to do option A, B and C to get to the outcome and then kind of working it back. And I think that's a step that so many people, as I've been opening, saying myself included, completely overlooked in the initial stages because you're too distracted by everything else that's going on and the excitement of having your name up in lights, which I can understand as well. But it's just having that direction so you can make sure that you are staying on track and you're not running around like a blindfolded idiot, I guess, is is the honest truth. Which which is what most people do when they start a business. You know, I mean, I did it when I've had... Um... You know, I've had recruit, I've had a recruitment business that I run from this office for three or four years before I did EXP. And, you know, I did exactly that. I did it every day. I could do that every day for six months where at any point you say, Scott, what are you up to? And I've got a, an answer, which isn't, you know, I'm not just watching YouTube. I'm sitting here doing something work related. Yeah. But if they're not going to lead to predictable results, then as you say, I'm running around like headless chicken. Yeah, mate. And um, do you know what? It's, I could just want to take a second to just kind of dig into this a little bit and really sort of emphasize the point because obviously as you know we've both touched on our backgrounds in the past and i've run businesses as well so i've got an awareness of numbers albeit i was a bit ignorant to it when i started over in exp but effectively i understand the law of averages and a quick story that i want to kind of take it back to is i remember when i was at university right and um, i had this job doing door-to-door uh, sales. I was selling home telecoms to people who already had home telecoms. So that was a tough gig, mate. I've been chased out of yeah. all gardens. And I can even tell you angry dogs and men in white vests coming out with spades and bats and all sorts. So <laughs> that, that, that was character building to say the least. But oh, uh, 
mate, essentially, I remember getting really disheartened because you're getting door slammed in your face. It's raining, a big blob of rain water comes off your nose, lands on your pads, smudges all your ink, and you're just thinking, do you know what? I'm getting nowhere fast with this. Forget this, the towel's going in. And my sort of supervisor came over and he said, look, Ben, it's just a numbers game, mate. He said, you know, I can guarantee if you knock on 100 doors, you're going to get 98 people slam the door in your face. But in those 100 knocks that you get, two people are going to want to do business with you. You're going to hit a sale. You're going to hit commission and you're going to start earning, you know, pretty solid money. If you want to get more sales, you just need to knock on more doors. He said, it's the same as if you go into a nightclub, you know, there's a law of averages in that nightclub. If you want to pull a girl and take a girl home that night, Pure and simply, you need to open up enough conversations and buy enough drinks at the bar and you're going to take a certain amount of women back. Now, the uglier you are and the worse your chat is, the more people you need to speak to, but it's still a law of averages, right, that you can work back. And that's applicable in every single walk of life. And I think sometimes, especially people without that preconditioning and that business acumen, when it is that we're on the ground and we're a small cog in a big machine and we're just focusing valuation to valuation or sale to sale and our superiors in the corporate world aren't really giving us the insights and the direction and the conversions and a lot of averages that underpin the whole agency operation. We don't understand and therefore we don't grasp and we don't apply that when we're coming to launch our own venture. And I think being able to educate people on what the numbers are, i.e. A, amount of letters, reduce it B, amount of calls, which should get C, amount of appointments, which gets D, amount of listings, which will eventually lead to E, amount of completions. Um, I think that's so, so powerful and it really helps give that structure. And I think people really need that structure. So it's just trying to take a minute to kind of highlight that story and just kind of put that into full focus for anyone who is coming in to get to know your numbers. And understand. Yeah. And do, do you think there's a danger that when when we talk about operating a small self-employed business but having a certain structure there'll be people that think well that's what i'm trying to get away from i'm trying to get away from being told i've got to convert a certain amount of fs i've been told that you know you sold two more houses than your target but you what one under on your fs leads and i i, I think sort of almost answer my own question but i'll be interested in your thoughts that i think there's a period of time when agents first leave that environment and i always say corporate but you know the larger independents can be heavily sort of kpi driven but it's such a relief to get out of that that then we go too far the other way and have like zero structure yeah i think you're right and there's, there's definitely a real danger of that but i think that's when it comes on um the individual to a certain extent to be frank has got to be accountable to themselves and kind of decide you know what is this business i want to build not to say you know they've obviously got a full structure and people like me and you behind them to help hold them accountable and have those conversations and kind of give that encouragement and steer in the right direction when it's needed but i think ultimately you know you're here to deliver on your goals to build a business that's right for you it's down to you to take ownership of that and you're right i think that sometimes that complete freedom and that autonomy to not have targets is such a novelty that people just want to rip the shackles off and yeah. not even mutter the words KPI again. But I don't think targets are a bad thing. I think they're a bad thing in our perception because of how they've been drilled into us in the traditional corporate model. They're still important for structure, but I think the beauty is, is that it's got to be your targets and your rules. So it's like you said last week, Scott, about, you know, if you wanted to monitor every performance benchmark from, day one to completion day in a customer's journey, right from marketing to handing over the keys. You'd have yeah. a million different points that you can kind of hold yourself accountable to, whereas you stripped it back to the, the, the bare basics of, right, 
how many vowels do I need to do? And everything's going to be reverse yeah. engineered from that one point. And that's great because that worked for you. That brought it down. And I, I love the simplicity in that message. And I think a lot of people, especially people who are trying to get away from targets, could probably, again, see success leaving clues and almost copy and paste your thought process on that and help that work for them. But then we've got other agents. Again, I won't bring names into it, but you know the guys very heavy on our um, internal platforms who are ultra data driven like so data driven yeah. and they love every single number and percentage and metric throughout the whole business and maybe for those guys the right answer is to hold yourself accountable to other targets because they're kind of cut from that cloth and they work better under that kind of structure um but the beauty of it is mate without laying this on thick it's like we've said countless times now with this model, you don't need that insane volume to build a lucrative business. You only, depending on your fee structure, you only need fairly nominal numbers to make it work. So I think by yeah. definition, the targets are going to be much less scary than maybe what they would be under any other kind of framework. Oh, and you have to get used to that. I mean, it's very odd walking out from an environment where you're doing 15, 20 valuations a week or a month, depending on the volume of your business. So then going to the point where you're like, if I get eight this month, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's a really strange feeling. I've had I've had agents join. I had one agent join that said he was only listed six in his first month. I was like, that's really good. That's <laughs> like really good. Your first week is just getting set up. Your second week is probably dealing with your first sort of your first round of responses. So actually, you've listed six. Probably, I bet actually in your last two weeks of that month, right? And so sort of when well, yeah, okay. When you look at it like that, I'm like, okay, well then. Can you do that every month? Yeah. Yes. Can you sell four every month? Yeah. Okay. You're making hundred grand a year. Congratulations. Mate, that is absolutely unbelievable. And that's, do you know what? Credit to that agent, whoever it was, because that is a, a lightning start. But I think it kind of comes back to that whole thing. And that's a classic example of somebody comparing their page one to someone else's chapter 15. Do you know what I mean? And being like, oh, but I've seen that he's done this and this guy's got a pipeline of that and she managed to achieve this that month and by comparison, maybe I'm lagging behind. Yeah, and you, you've nailed it there, mate, because when I actually, so the, the conversation was long with this particular person and they'll be listening and laughing and they'll be laughing because I'm telling they've had a very successful start, right? But what, what they're actually doing is they were looking, so they were saying, well, that person who started at a similar time to me, they've listed more. That person who started at a similar time to me, they've got a higher average fee. And that person over there has already sold a couple. I was like, yeah, but nobody's done all those four things. <laughs> so <laughs> what you're doing, you're picking the very best bit from each business and almost saying, why hasn't mine got all four of those things? So now you're giving yourself a hard time because you haven't sold the most at the highest fee and listed the most. It's like nobody's done all those things, right? So this is why you need to know what your goals are. And the great thing about, I think, when I joined EXP, when I went self-employed, certainly. So when I joined, I didn't join EXP for collaboration. I joined EXP to use and abuse facilities for 12 months. And I was then going to jump ship and go and do my own thing. But the collaboration piece is massive because there will be somebody here who started a business, how you want to start a business and achieved something similar to what you want to achieve that you can possibly come in and follow, just follow in their footsteps. So Although we've got, what, 150 plus agents, 106, 170, I don't even know. Um, by the time you listen to this, there'll be more. So it's not probably no point state in numbers. There'll be someone in there that's trying to achieve something similar to you. You know, and as you say, I mean, how many people here are going to be able to learn from someone like Samantha Cerrone or Gavin Mills or someone like that? And both got completely different businesses within the XP. Both are setting great examples and both are leaving 
clue after clue after clue about how to do what they've done. Yeah, that, that's the key, mate, is that leaving clue after clue after clue. And it's kind of understanding. And to be honest, being, I think being able to put pride to one side and think, OK, do you know what? I'm not going to be ignorant. I'm not going to let my ego take over my view on the opportunity that I've got now. I'm actually going to pick these people's brains. I'm actually going to put myself out there. I'm going to ask questions and I'm going to. I'm going to listen to what people are saying and I'm going to take action on that because that's the other side of the, the, the coin as well, Scott. And I'm going to go back to the magic letter, right? Because this is just one, but probably a very prominent example of people not being able to pack their ego and the fact that they know best when it comes to taking action in the business. Now, we've seen the data that shows us that this letter works, right? This letter gets us the right conversions. People are winning instructions. People are building businesses. People are getting to the pipeline far quicker and smoother than what I did because we're now privy to this um, social proof that this letter works. Yet, how many people do we get coming into the business, Scott? And you must see this more than me, given that you're the pioneer of this particular um, marketing message. If people say, oh, great, mate. Can you just send me that magic letter? Can I have the template? I'm going to send this out. It's going out to 400 people the next week it's oh, do you know what it went all that that letter scott I've, I've not had any calls back off it okay so just to be clear mr agent did you send that letter out exactly as i sent it to you well yeah it's just that you know i changed this bit and i put this little line on the end and you know i've, I've recently got this new camera so i mentioned a bit about that and it's like no 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 you've altered the formula you've changed what we do therefore that's changing the outcome you need to understand that this works for a reason please just pack the ego to one side and take action on what we're saying and we can guarantee is a strong word but we can say with some predictability over time you're going to hit this conversion rate um, yeah but it's amazing how many people can't do that yeah i don't know it could be ego it could be just trust trust issue as well that it works um I mean, I've got probably as big an ego as anybody, but really what I want to do is make money, right? So if you phone me up next week and said you're using a letter, it's making you, giving you X amount of valuations every week and you send it over to me. Honestly, mate, it wouldn't matter what I thought about that letter, I'd be sending it. If you told me it worked, I'd trust you and I would just send it. And that's the thing. And I guess that could also be, I mean, imagine what you're missing out on if, you, if you're working self-employed right now, but completely on your own with no network or no resources to lean on. You know, you've got no idea what success looks like when you're working on your own. You've got no one to benchmark yourself against. You know, the fact that we can benchmark our pipelines to see who's doing really well means that should therefore give a level of trust in that person's advice, right? Because yeah. it's highly collaborative. You know, if you phone me up and you've got a 70 grand pipeline and I'm on 15 grand pipeline or five grand as a new agent and you give me two or three tips, I'll just follow them, mate. I'll just follow them. Never, never sought to be uh original in any way and there bit, you go. and do you know what it's uh again i think it's it's that classic thing that sometimes people call them assholes don't they so people ask questions but they're not not listen to your advice unless it's bang online with what they want to hear um but i think there's that old notion that you shouldn't take advice from people that you wouldn't necessarily trade places with and i think yeah. there's a lot there's a lot of merit on that because i you know i look at um I'm thinking all the way back now to like sort of 2012, 2013, 14, 15. This is when I was setting up my first businesses with, again, very lean budgets, but also no experience. I had nothing on my CV that said I was capable of running a business other than the fact that I had this fire in my belly that I couldn't put out and I knew that I had to do it, mate. And my dad um, 
kind of said to me, and my dad's like, uh, you know, he's been a mechanic all of his life. He's worked in warehouses and big freezers doing night shifts, you know, kind of working hard for a fairly nominal salary because that was the generation that he grew up in where that was the thing that you do. So whenever I'm asking my dad advice on business, whilst his intentions might be pure, the advice that he's given are coming from a different filter and a different generation that's not really yeah. applicable for the world that I live in, if that makes sense. And different and different feelings towards you. Yeah, of course. He's, he's, he's worried about you probably more so than if he was down the pub giving general advice, right? I mean, my dad's a builder. And if I ask him, dad, I'm thinking about doing a patio. First thing he says is, well, the cheapest way to do that is, <laughs> like, dad, dad, like, I've saved up a little bit of money to do a really nice job on the patio. And he'll go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you could save a few quid if you, like, dad, <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to save money, dad. I'm trying to build a really nice patio. Like, I really want a nice place in my garden to sit yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's overly worried about me and, and probably if he's given someone else that same advice it'd be different right because he's more likely to say oh yeah go for that lovely exactly so he he's giving you his truth through his filter applicable to that situation and his relationship with you and that's true of so many different people in so many different situations and so many different relationships but i think when it comes to taking advice from people that you would switch positions with i.e if you're seeing another agent in the xp framework just to keep this ultra specific to this episode and you can see that oh actually this guy's working or this girl's working in a market that's not too dissimilar to mine um i like their approach i like their style i think i connect with them as a person they've actually achieved this success metric whatever that is they listed five houses last week they sold 10 houses last month they've built the pipeline to 80 grand or whatever it is that you're kind of benching success against if they've done it then again it comes back and i know i said this a few times now mate but that notion of success leaving clues and if you would switch positions with them based on the fact that they're currently walking and they're further progressed down the path that you're about to set on quite frankly i think you'd be an idiot to let ego get in the way of opening up that conversation and taking heed of that advice yeah no i agree and 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 again and that can look like so many different things as well can't it i mean this this pod's about 30 grand pipeline but actually it might be that you want to get a 30 grand pipeline because then you can start having your sundays back you know and there's there's other goals as well that people are trying to achieve aren't they right so you know i'm thinking of some of the top agents here that are earning really really top money but also a lot of those have got their lives in order in other ways as well so you know i, I know i don't work sundays you know when you talk to them now i you know i work really hard monday to saturday this is and so there's, there's loads of different ways you can get advice from those people but i think to bring that back to the, the the great thing about having a target on where you want your pipeline to be is that can enable you to pat yourself on the back when you get there and then allow yourself to you know get that lifestyle balance as well because you know earning good money is great but and I've done this over the last year and a half. I've worked six, six and a half days a week. I, I won't be doing that in the next 12 months because that wasn't the point. The point wasn't just to make top money. It was to be able to get that balance. So by having a pipeline goal, whether that be 30 grand, 50 grand, or as some agents have got 100 plus grand, it enables you then to, to get some balance in your life as well because you've achieved your goal. And part of that reward should be better relax a little bit and take a bit more, get a bit more of a life style balance i think no 100 and that's massive what you just said there mate because i think in some ways like you know 
the, the beauty about setting pipeline and, and monetary metrics as targets is that it's completely quantifiable. We can say there's the result that we're aiming for, here's where we are, and here's the steps that we're taking towards it. So it's a very measurable metric in that respect. But there'll be people out there thinking, oh, well, I'm not money motivated. I'm not asked about cash. It's more about making sure I do every school run, making sure I've got my weekends free or I've got Sundays to bugger off to the Lake District or wherever your happy place is. That just happens to be mine. But I think ultimately those goals are facilitated by earning the income that you need to earn on the front end to allow that to happen. So even if money isn't your core motivator, and I think we should all have a purpose that's bigger than money, I think we can't deny that money plays its part. And that's something that, that should be embraced. But it's also something that, and again, I'll just kind of reflect back on my story. So I was thinking about this this morning, Scott, before coming into the podcast. <clears throat> I remember that whilst I wasn't ultra structured and, and specific on my targets and my goals um, on, on day one, I always had this thing where, because I've struggled for a little while, so I came, you know, I sold my business a while ago, I, I did a little spell at a hybrid company, didn't earn that good of money, if I'm going to be honest, um, went into a minimum wage job, again, you know, working a lot of hours without a lot of financial return. And um, because I've struggled along for so long, I always had this thing in my head about earning a five-figure month, I just wanted to get 10 grand plus, right, that was it, I was like, yeah. okay, 10 grand, like, I could just do this, I can just, you know, pull the shackles off I'll, I'll be able to not have to worry about money I can buy what I want and all that kind of stuff I had this thing about earning 10 grand and um the other month I earned in excess of 10 grand right I earned probably about 14 grand the other month and then I was just like okay so what am I going to buy <laughs> so, actually it doesn't it doesn't matter I'll always buy my shirts from fucking George or Peacocks I'm always gonna I'm not I'm not that kind of guy I'm, I'm not very materialistic and you realize actually I've got this money now but what did it mean? It, it was it, it was just, I think it was, it wasn't so much the money in itself, whilst that was a good tangible metric to aim for, it was more the liberating feeling of freedom that came with that money. That was well, that, goal. And that's what people don't talk about, Ben, is that, you know, if, if you can talk about lifestyle and spending more quality time with your family, and, and that's great, but it's really important. So is it easier to enjoy a barbecue and be fully present with your family and friends when you know you've just made 14 grand that month, even if you're not spending it, then it is when you're a little bit behind your target at work and you know your boss is going to be screaming and shouting you on Monday morning. You know, once all your bills are in order, it's great. Everyone wants to spend more time with their family and friends. And that's that's probably certainly my number one motivator. That's really hard to do when you're just scraping by on the mortgage payments. And it's yeah. really hard to do when your boiler's making a funny noise and you know that, okay, we're just heading out to a barbecue, can't wait lovely and sunny and then you know i don't know you know it's, it's tires are a little bit bald on your car and in your head you're always thinking oh it's another 600 quid on four tires and so where money does play is it takes a lot of that stress away yeah mate and i think do you know what i think i might have even robbed this from you at some point it might not have been you actually Let i would have robbed it from somebody else ben so don't worry <laughs> yeah, so you and I've used it a couple of times since, like A because I love it, but B because it's true and it's applicable to me as well. Um, and that is that you know, when it comes to when it comes to having that freedom, that peace of mind, that happiness, being content, being cool in your own mind, it's not necessarily about having millions and having all the riches. It's about having just that 
that that freedom and that peace away from stress and it's those things you know and this actually happened to me the other month i robbed this example off you and then it actually happened to me in real life where i was driving along and my car started making expensive noises and don't get me wrong it's never ideal throwing 600 quid at your car you know don't matter how much money you've got you don't want to be throwing money into a bottomless pit but i was kind of like this isn't ideal but you know what at least this isn't going to derail me now for another six months because if yeah. this happened 18 months ago mate spending six seven hundred quid on a, an expensive sounding problem on my car would have absolutely messed up my finances for probably three or four months it would have took me a yeah. lot of time to, to recover from that and that brings a whole world of stress and complication and arguments it stops you being present ben you know it yeah. stops you being present at things you know when you you're going out for a nice dinner and you're sort of having to worry about the dreaded question that we have in starters <laughs> thinking well i hope not <laughs> not based on this month that's the only reason I want to make money, mate, is just to get more present. Yeah. It's yeah. just to take away, because I think really what we need in our lives is control. And, and when you feel like you're in control of things, then that, that can make you, that you feel pretty content when you feel as if you're in control of things. And making more money or having a, um, an amount of money coming in that you know, far exceeds your outgoings does make you feel a lot more comfortable. Simple as that, in my mind. It's as simple as that. I don't, I don't know anyone who can't afford their mortgage or is struggling with their payments who's happy. You can't be. No. It's too stressful. Um, it is. So that gets, it's, stressful yeah. and it, it's stressful and it's distracting. And, you know, we're kind of bring this back to business because if you're constantly worried, you know, a year down the line about all these things, how can you be present and be the best version of you in a professional capacity, let alone with your relationships and the people at home who, who really matter? It's, it's very difficult. You're not always in the moment, are you? Like you say, because you're always, your head's always somewhere else thinking about the next issue or the next problem or the next thing that needs sorting and paying for. And you normally can't solve that by, you know, I've, I've never had a role in a state agency where I could think, do you know what? I really need to get 10 grand further ahead in my savings. So if I just knuckle down for three months, I can get myself 10 grand ahead in my savings because the commission packages are just structured where it seems to be right. If you want to work your ass off, you can earn 55 or chill out and plod along and you earn 50. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just I'll just plod along then. <laughs> I'll just plod along and earn fifty if you don't mind, rather than work really really hard to earn fifty five. Whereas you know with this you seem to be able to like really knuckle down for a period of time and get yourself that bit ahead. And again, what I like is you can then take if you want to take your foot off the gas. You know I know EXP agents and people who are running their own businesses are planning on chilling out a little bit over the summer and taking a little bit easier that makes you feel pretty much in control of your life right when you're working hard and working hard's fine when you don't need to that's yeah. quite a nice feeling working hard is shit when you're doing it because you desperately need to yeah 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 they're two yeah. different feelings about working hard working hard because you want to is one thing working hard because you need to is very very depressing Oh, definitely, mate. And I think it comes across in your energy and your demeanor and the way you conduct yourself and the way that you, you know, you, you, you're coming across with a client in the living room. I think when you've kind of almost got the air of, you know, you got, you don't want it to spill over into arrogance, but when you've got that kind of, that, that kind of confidence in yourself that, you know, I, I don't absolutely have to take this. I'm not begging you for the business. I, I, it's not going to harm me as such if it is that you decide that I'm not the right fit for you. When you've kind of got that, when you drop those corporate barriers and you, you drop that almost desperation, I think we call it commission breath, don't we? I think, again, you can actually focus on building a good, valuable, solid relationship with the person rather than getting distracted by the bricks and the desperation to close a yeah. contract on the day. And that just and makes ironically, sense. you'll do better. 
you do better that way. 100%. 100%. Because <laughs> it's easier to do better, which is amazing, right? It's easier to do. I'm, I'm working. Are you okay? Are you working harder or less hard than you were 12 months ago? I'd say less hard, being brutally honest, mate. Okay. And are you making more money or less money than you were 12 months ago? Significantly more, mate. Significantly more. <laughs> How about that? How about that? Good questions, right? Are you working as hard as you did a year ago? No. Are you making more money than you did this time last year? Significantly. I mean, that's that's great, right? And I'm the same. You know, I've got I've got a couple of appointments later. I've got one appointment tomorrow. You know, I'm not I'm not burning burning the candle at both ends because I've got it together now. It took a year, probably like it has for you. It took a year of graft, but once you get there and you get that momentum, you know, it's life so much better, isn't it now? A hundred percent, mate. A hundred percent. But let's delve into that a little bit, Scott, just to kind of give some balance because, you know, we're here now down the line as two guys that, you know, thankfully we've been fortunate enough to come through the other side and we've really been benefactors of this model and we've both got pipelines and we've both got money and we've both got stock and we've both got, you know, all those things that, that a lot of people are going to be aiming to get over the course of the six, nine, 12 months that follow this podcast. Let's talk a bit more about the hustle, the darker times, the times where it wasn't coming so easy. Looking back with hindsight, is there anything that you do dramatically different to what you did to build a business? Would you still be embracing direct mail as your go-to strategy? Would you be out knocking doors? Would you be networking? Would you be better on socials than what you was? What would you do differently kind of coming out of the traps now? If I was to plonk you in the middle of Scotland and say, crack on, Scott, we're going to launch a new business under your name. Crack on, what are you going to do? How would your next steps look? Better with socials, mate. As long as that's what you have to be careful about is that you don't say I'd do more social, but so direct mail, I couldn't have done much more. Side, I would have I would have gone more heavy with 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 quantity for sure. Um, I waited way too long to be perfect at it, and I've never got anywhere near. But I've made done a hell of a lot of business out of social media and posting bits and pieces that I didn't think were very good at the time so I would have started that straight away I mean I wasn't even on Facebook I've been at EXP four months before I joined Facebook Jeez. before I joined Facebook I didn't even have a personal really? no, I had to start from no no I had to start from scratch so you know four months in no social media what old for me um <laughs> I'm gonna ask you the same question but this is where we proper yin and yang it don't we <laughs> because <laughs> I think I know what you might say but be interesting you might surprise me yeah, no, 100%. And I think, um, you know, first and foremost, there's a lesson in there in, in what you said, Scott. So just to kind of break that down slightly in terms of, I think there was a lot of hesitance, a lot of hesitancy because you could kind of see it working for other people, but you thought, oh, I don't need to do it or I'm not going to do it or it's pushing the realms of my comfort zone, so I'm not going to do it. Then you acted far too late in hindsight. And then when you did it, you kind of questioned the content that you're posting. Whereas you've come through this cycle now of realising, actually, I should have acted quicker. I shouldn't have doubted myself and actually done is better than perfect. So putting, yeah. putting content out there, it starts moving the needle, it starts putting the foundations in place and it kind of puts me on a trajectory to break through that barrier where it's no longer a forced effort and it's now part of my daily and my weekly and my monthly routine in growing my business. So I think it's good to see you've come out the other side, but for anyone who's maybe cut from the same cloth as you, Scott, where they're not social savvy, they're not big social media users, they couldn't think of anything worse than being on Facebook, just acknowledge that whilst you don't absolutely 
absolutely have to. No one's got a gun to your head. It's that it's example that I always use. You know, you don't have to 100% be on social media to build a great business. You did it exclusively off, you know, traditional methods that a lot of people now consider to be outdated, which clearly we're seeing aren't. But effectively, it's kind of like you could go into a war zone with a pen knife. You could kill a few people, survive and get back to your family. But I'd much rather go in with an AK-47. And I think social media is, is your AK-47. So you do yeah. well to kind of arm yourself with that. Um, one thing that I wish that I'd done, Scott, was document more. Um, wow. when it comes to social media specifically, you know, I talk about my job doing my side hustles and delivering pizzas and trying to do all this to keep my head above water. And I was almost a bit embarrassed about that at the time, because I kind of thought like, you know, I was in the early stages of building this personal brand, the one with the beard, and I wanted to, you know, appear to have all my shit together and be successful and moving my business in the right direction. And um, you almost don't want to share those behind the scenes bits. But looking back now, I think that that would be incredible content, mate. If I had pictures of, you know, me doing my consultancy work and driving over to Warrington to deliver a session when I really I wanted to be out valuing houses, if I documented all those little steps and those bits and pieces, I think that one, it'd make me more endearing to my market. I think people respect hard workers, whatever market you're from. If people can see you're trying to provide for your family, you're working day and night to do it, however that's taking shape, people respect that access. And I think I probably would have got a better buy-in from the market a lot quicker and maybe even more business off of the back of that. And secondly, I think it's important to tell your story. And I wish that I had that content now to say, look this is where it was in this time last year and this is where it is today so we've got that relative benchmark of comparison so instead of people seeing oh well you know he's talking about big numbers and a decent pipeline and i see all these fancy videos it's like well actually it wasn't always that way um so i think really i, I documented every step so that's one takeaway i guess for anyone coming into it who's looking at social media just allow your audience access and i wish that i'd done that a lot more transparently and a lot more aggressively than maybe what I did do in the early stages because that's where the story is made right that's where you transition from underdog to top of the world and I think if you can capture that you're doing well yeah. um but but then the other side of it is Scott you know obviously you're probably not going to be surprised to hear mate had I gone for that direct mail strategy I took success leaving clues with you and applied that to my own mission much quicker than what I did I actually remember when Adam or you or, or whoever it was that was talking about on workplace had kind of put forward oh there's this letter that's you know returning a, a conversion to a call of x percent and I remember reading it and in my instant reaction was just bullshit <laughs> Like, I just I just didn't think it was realistic. I didn't think it was possible. And kind of the cynic in me thought, oh, well, that sounds a bit too good to be true. I can't imagine that that's going to be the reality. And for that reason alone, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to do this. I think it's just been overhyped a little bit. And it took me seeing, you know, that repeating itself and people having success with that strategy to me to really take notice and think, actually, I'm missing a trick here. I probably need to yeah. look at doing this and, and move it forward for my business. So I'd have acted a lot quicker in that respect as well. I think that's understandable, though. And again, that's why two or three people getting together to tell you that it's working is the difference between you doing it or not. And so actually, so if you're a solo agent, We're back in the room. 
you've missed out some gold there. Oh, <laughs> mate, I'm really sorry. The, the, the camera just completely cut. Um, that's the benefit of getting a few agents together. And then it just yeah. went off. I don't know if you've seen it. So if I, if, so the two, two things here is if I'd have gone out on my own or you'd have gone out on your own, I wouldn't embrace social media probably even yet. I might not even have done it. So I might have failed and never tried. I don't know, or, you know, I've no idea, but I would never, certainly wouldn't have embraced social media in the way that I have, because I wouldn't have had you and others being successful using it and showing me how successful it is. So I wouldn't have been constantly being told, you've got to try it, you've got to try it, you've got to try it. And then you on the other side, if, if you'd have stumbled across the letter that I use on a generic Google search of canvassing material, no chance would you have used it, would you? No. We'd never ever have tried it so it's great and that's what the collaboration side of it here this is why i enjoy being part of a, a network and i wasn't looking for it when i came on board not only was i not looking for it but i would have gone against it for a little while just no don't need your help don't need your help i've needed so much help in the last 12 months yeah yeah you know i mean potentially there's 30 or 40 grand worth of business from social media that i would have missed out on 100%. And how many hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of revenue to agents across the estate would they have missed out on had it been and had access to the tools and, and everything that, you know, we can provide in terms of the templates and things. So I think that's massive, mate. I know we sound like a bit of a broken record because we went quite heavy on this on the first episode. Um, but that collaboration piece, mate, it's absolutely huge. So important. Well, for me, the reason it's huge is just because I, was, I wasn't looking for it. That's why it's hit me so hard of, of how useful it is, is because... I really did not join a network because I was not interested in being part of a network. I was just going to use the tools and run my own business and keep my head down and not get on with it. But now, as you know, I'm so fully into like the environment, talking to other agents and trying to learn what they're doing well. And if you spot somebody come on board who suddenly, and so, okay, we're talking about a 30 grand pipeline. And as, as we all know, there was what, how many of us were sitting on a 30 grand pipeline when we had an agent join who suddenly went to 55? Yeah, and, and all of a sudden your eyes are open to okay I thought 30 was just about at the limits of what an agent could do we've got somebody doing 55 and then something like eight weeks after that person at 55 almost every single one of us who was sat on 30 is now sitting on 55 yeah, yeah. You know, I think we discussed this last week but it's just so amazing that once once a target is broken how we readjust our expectations it's fascinating makes it it redefines what's possible don't it do you know what i mean because you kind of almost think like if you've got i know it sounds that this is a proper cliche but when they say you're the average of the five people that you spend enough time with that's because that's because the kind of concept behind that is that you become climatized to the realms of what's possible in that bubble. And I think it's the same situation with our agency. If we had, yeah. let's just say 50 agents and the best performer was at 25 grand, the average was 20 grand and we had a few people at 10 grand, then you're probably going to be somewhere in that 10 to 20,000 pound average because you're an average of the environment that you're in. Whereas yeah. because we've completely broke the ceiling and then broke the ceiling and then broke the ceiling and then broke the ceiling as more great agents have come into the fold with new ideas and fresh approaches and fresh energy that's really pushed the standards of what's possible. That's kind of allowed everyone else from all spectrums, from the bottom performers all the way up to the top, raise their game accordingly. And that's building more wealth, I guess, and better businesses for our agents as a yeah. byproduct of, of raising that, that standard, which is amazing. Well, I'd still be sat aiming for 25, 30 grand if I went out on my own. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's competitiveness or if it's just through having my eyes opened about what's possible, but 
you know, definitely if you and I had this conversation last year and you said we'd have four or five agents over a hundred grand in pipeline, personal pipelines over a hundred grand, I would have found that very, very hard to believe. Because you got you got to bear in mind, mate, like I know hundred grand, it's all well and good saying it, but to put that into context, it's like I said at the start of the, the podcast, the 30 grand pipeline, and the reason why we've gone with that is because it's a bit of a it's a tangible, it, 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 it's, it's a possible figure. It's in our grasp, right? I don't think there's anyone who doesn't back themselves to get that, but it sounds a lot more achievable than 100K. A 100 grade pipeline, again, if you're turning that on the same numbers three or four times a year, if you're turning that once every quarter, before you know it, you're not far off a half a million pound a year business as a yeah. bespoke agent. That's half a million quid, Scott. That's incredible. Incredible. It's outstanding, yeah. Um, and and what that what those agents that achieve that won't realise is how how much they bring along everybody else by doing that because everybody's expectations go 20, 30% higher of themselves because that's when a 30 grand pipeline agent suddenly thinks, I just wonder if I can get to 50 and just readdresses their target. So those people will not only do really great for themselves, but they seem to bring everyone else along with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, that's that, that's the magic of, of collaboration, I guess. But whilst we're saying all this, you know, I think it's always important to always keep that 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 kind of grasp on reality. And I think you summarised it beautifully last week, mate, when I, I asked you the question: Are business plans business plans important? And your answer was, well, I think the first thing you need to do is get to know yourself. And I think that that's applicable in pretty much every conversation that we're having across the board, mate. Get to know yourself, just because we're striving for certain figures or certain numbers or because agent a is result you know yielded this result it context is key if you again if you want that 20 grand a year to feed the kids and pay the bills and have a, an, an immense work-life balance then amazing crack on it's just about knowing yourself and having a good idea of of what your targets are whether that's 10 grand 30 grand or, or far beyond but then then you know when to when to then you know when to be pleased with yourself for achieving it. And that's really important too. Yeah. You know, I'd have given up. If, if I started out with a 100 grand pipeline target, I probably would have given up before I even got to 30, ironically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure, mate. For sure. Um, so, yeah, I guess it, it's kind of, I don't know, one of them, Scott, like I think it's whilst it's important to always push yourself and be striving for what success looks like for you. I think it's always important to have a firm grasp on exactly what it is that that looks like and not kind of comparing, as I said before, your page one to someone else's chapter 15. But I think the one thing that hopefully we've got across or the one thing that I certainly wanted to get across in this in this episode really is that. I know for a fact, and if you're listening to this and you're kind of cut from this same cloth, just first off, just know that you're not on your own. I know for a fact that one concern people have got is, how do I go from the zero to one? How do I move the needle coming out the starting traps? How am I going to get paid? How long is it going to take for me to get paid? How do I get to this first benchmark? And hopefully, whilst there are big numbers banded around and a lot of people can kind of be very proud of what they've achieved and beat the chest on social media, never feel dwarfed by that and understand that just kind of breaking it down into simple micro steps, achievable little milestones before you know it, as long as you're keeping on track with the support of the network, you're hitting those goals before you know it. It's not maybe as scary as what it sounds on the outside looking in when you... And you can tell when you've gone off track, Ben. You know, if you if you work it backwards to... Um, right, I've got to get six valuations or eight valuations a month to list six to sell four. Then on the month you don't sell four, you'll probably be able to look back to the month before and say, well, hang on, I didn't hit my valuation target. So it helps you know if you've gone off track as well, I think, as much as then also meaning that you're allowed to pat yourself on the back when you do achieve a target, which I think is a big thing as well. 
Oh, 100%, mate. It's that classic, you know, give yourself a bit of praise when it's when it's deserved. Don't bask for too long, but make sure you're acknowledging what you're doing well. Yeah. And uh, I think it's that human tendency in it that whenever we do something wrong or we feel as though we could have done something better, we stew on it. Whenever we do something amazing, we take it in our stride and onwards we yeah, go. Definitely. Um, it's, it's like anything, I guess. It's striking that balance. Um, but guys, I think that unless there's anything else you want to uh, touch on, Scott, I think that pretty much kind of neatly summarises today's Yeah, great. Yeah, today's great show. to chat. Yeah, enjoyed it. Absolutely, mate. And guys listening, as ever, if you have got any specific questions or feedback or comments about today's show, uh, details for myself and Scott can always be found in the show notes. So please feel free to reach out to either of us. But hopefully you found that of some use and some value and it gives you some food for thought when you take that step to, to building your empire. Scott, good to catch you, mate. I'll see you next week. Great to see you, Ben. Ta-da.